Well, hello, hello again. We back in the studio for episode six of Take Action podcast with Monty and Yura. Today is actually Halloween, so happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, we were more excited about Halloween until we woke up this morning. About two inches of snow on the ground. It's freezing. <laughs> so I'll be taking taking action today by taking my kids, bundling them up, and trying to survive through trick and treating in the cold weather like this but other than that we're doing fine uh, our downloads are amazing we have more listeners from uk and turkey each episode is a big success so thank you very much for listening to us guys i really hope you're getting something out from this podcast and even if one person get motivated to do something once a week twice a week or more we will be more than happy that's why we're making this podcast we're here for you guys uh we have another interesting guest today in the studio monty will introduce him and monty how are you today i'm doing well man i'm doing well it's halloween i don't have any kids so i don't have to go out and uh, worry about trick-or-treating or or anything (laughs) like that Uh, i will somehow get some candy out of this i think but yeah just excited went and worked out in my he-man costume this morning i'll uh i'll put that on our facebook page so everyone can get a good laugh out of it it was pretty funny so but yeah thanks for thanks everybody again for listening all the feedback has been really positive so far so we appreciate that and uh, with that, I'm going to uh, bring in one of my really, really great friends, Brendan Osucha. You know, Brendan and I have been working together for about seven years. We've known each other for 10 or 11 years now, but he's a recruiting expert. I'm a recruiting expert. We haven't talked a lot at this point about my background in the last 10 years of what I've been doing professionally. So I'm really excited about this episode and sharing this week what I've been doing and really this recruiting in high school and for kids who want to go play sports in college and become student athletes in college is is really a pretty necessary to take action type thing unless you're a top 10 recruit in the country you really don't have to do a lot but otherwise you know you really have to put your put some effort into it and so Brendan and I are going to get into some finer details how to get started things like that we'll jam on that a little bit but Brendan uh welcome aboard man yeah welcome Brendan thank you thank you How's everyone doing? <laughs> yeah, we're doing great. And uh, you guys don't see a picture. Every time I see Brandon, I see him a few times. He's so <laughs> happy all the time. He's happy and smiling. So he's already taking action. So welcome to the yes. studio, Brandon. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I, uh, I took duty into shoveling this morning, so I took a little action myself. Yeah. Wasn't excited about it though. Was that by choice or by Molly? Provincial consequence. <laughs> is that is that a word? Provincial. Provincial cons- consequences. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah, that's. Yeah. If it's not, it's a great phrase now. Yeah. Or by choice from Molly. Right. Right. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah. Take action podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag take action. <laughs> take action and hashtag happy wife, happy life. Yeah. There you we go. All, we all know how. We all know that goes. <laughs> Well, good stuff. Well, today we're going to talk a lot about recruiting, get into the ins and outs of it. Really just, you know, we'll, we're, we're going to get involved into the, the foundation of it. As I said before, I think it's really important that, you know, you just don't go from zero to committed in like one day. So a couple of things here, you know, Brendan, let's talk a little bit about your background. You've, uh, you played college ball. I think I'll let you lead off from in high school because I think that's where obviously we need to start. And, you know, and you've had some trials and tribulations with recruiting, and that's what really motivated you now to do that. But afterwards, you played some Division II football and uh, had a little cup of coffee with the Vikings for a very Mm -hmm. short period of time. So, you know, why why don't you take the lead on this and just talk about this? Because a lot of people can relate to your story of, you know, recruiting nightmares, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. This is obviously a, a pretty passionate, you know, topic of mine, and I get to luckily tell my story many times a month to um, a lot of families that are trying to wonder, like, hey, what should we be doing, right? And uh, just my background, I think how everything started with me, you know, obviously everybody plays a sport for the most part in high school, and you know, I started, I think I started with. Pee Wee football or Pop Warner football, which is like fourth, fifth, sixth grade for me. Uh, but leading into high school, I started off with uh, not what, even knowing, hey, am I even good enough to play, right? And I played some offense, I played some defense, and uh, I had some trials and tribulations along, along the way, injuries, dislocations, but I knew this was something that was exciting to me and just having a, a team around you, you know, you don't even realize like how big of a deal it is to just be involved in sports. But anyway, with recruiting, we're talking 98, 2000, 
Okay, when I was uh, basically in high school, and uh, I don't know how many kids nowadays actually know what a VHS tape is or a VCR, <laughs> right? But uh, but that's what it was, right? Like I think my family could maybe afford to like send out two or three of those things. They weren't edited. They, you know, we just sent it out. They're like five bucks a class. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so you know we uh, we were you know we we just pretty much most people assume like hey, if you're doing well in the classroom and you're a decent looking athlete and you can play. The schools will just kind of pour in, and and that'll be it, right? But uh, I think leading up until my June between my junior and senior year, you know, the first situation I had was, you know, the camps weren't really a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they really weren't, um, unless you either had tons of money or like you had families that were resourceful enough to like just pay and send you to some local college thing. It really wasn't big around then. Now you have camps that are a dime a dozen, right? There's- I mean, there's Hundreds of camps every tons, year. Tons, tons, right? So leading into junior and senior year, I actually, my, my father actually passed away due to health reasons. So, you know, that became a single mom, three kids situation. And uh, my whole summer before my senior year, I actually uh, was in Africa burying my dad, right? So there were literally no camps, which I think is a big question mark for a lot of families, right? Trying to figure out, hey, what should we be doing? Are we just supposed to be paying for camps? So I actually never ended up going to any camps. I think I went to one combine at University of Wisconsin between my sophomore and junior year, but I wouldn't even have been able to tell you what was going on. So my senior year came and went. There were two schools that I had a legit, three schools that I had a legit opportunity with. I had the chance to be a preferred walk-on with the Badgers. I had a full ride to University of Northern Iowa. I want to say it's in Cedar Falls. That was my first choice. And then uh, D2 school, Minnesota Duluth. So the things that were happening in my senior year is, and we didn't even realize like how this was happening, how much my coach was involved, you know, how they were getting a hold of us. But my co- the coaches that came to visit me at high school with uh, my Allstate running back at the time, they just brought us down to the office. They chat with us, you know, just talked about the program, and and that was it. You know, five minutes. Everyone was wondering why we were always getting called down to the hallways to talk to these coaches. And then that was pretty much it. So my senior year came. Actually, in the spring after my senior year training, I actually broke my foot. And uh, all my schools eventually found out and they all walked away. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. So I went from good opportunities, full ride education to nothing. So I'm sitting here in the spring wondering, okay, what am I going to do? My mom is absolutely just floored. Like, okay, what the heck are we going to do? I ended up going to a technical college, Madison area technical college. I'm from Madison, Wisconsin, uh, born and raised on the playground. That's where I spent most of my days. No, sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. No, but uh, so I ended up going to technical college. You know, I'm like, you know what? You know, this is a a hump in the road. You know, I'm going to get my generals done. I'm going to be able to stay at home. I'll work once I healed up. You know, I couldn't go to, you know, play football. It was just probably the first time in like 10 years. I'm not playing football in the fall, all right? Once I was healed up and, and the doctor said if I broke it again, I would have to have surgery and put a rod in my foot. So after the stress fracture, my foot healed. I uh, was finishing up school at the technical college. I literally had not even heard of anything considering a D2 school, really, you know, since my opportunities. And I had a buddy of mine who actually lives in Iowa. He mentioned to me, his name's Chad Gunnelson. He's actually a, a coach at... Uh, University of Dubuque right now for a track program. But uh, he told me about this D2 school in Minnesota. It was called Southwest Minnesota State. I had never heard of it, not at all. It was seven hours from home. You know, we went up there for tryouts, you know, trained and worked out with the coaches there. You know, they said I was decent enough to figure it out. You know, as long as my transcripts, you know, ACT score, which was low, by the way, like we're talking 18, 19, which is another whole nother topic as mm-hmm. far as education. We'll get into that, that too, I'm sure. Yeah. But I was a 3.5, 3.4 student, low, low low ACT score. And, you know, what ended up happening is is I decided to, to go with that school. Again, mind you, like, I literally had no clue as to what I was going to do after this technical college for a semester or two. Played at this, you know, played at this school, this D2 school for four years. And in my senior year, um, had a chance with the Vikings. So that's kind of my recruiting story. I literally got very, very lucky that the school even had my degrees of choice. Mm-hmm. I got very lucky that, you know, my friend even spoke up to me about, you know, finding an opportunity. So sure. who knows what would have happened. Yeah. And for those who can't, you know, obviously you'll see a picture. If you follow us on Facebook, we'll get it up there. But uh, Brendan is a is a beast of a man. He's, <laughs> he's one of the most physically gifted people. Even at his age now, he's still extremely gifted physically. 
Uh, I met him, you know, shortly after his prime, and I'm pretty impressed. So I can see why the Vikings had him in camp, and you know, just a little bit vertically challenged to be able to play <laughs> <laughs> play that defensive end, uh, mm-hmm. elite outside defensive end type guy. But no, I mean that's awesome. I mean, obviously your story, you know, probably resonates with a lot of people listening, especially those dads who played high school football. And you know, obviously there's nothing that moms have to go and play professionally afterwards, mm-hmm. unfortunately for you know women's sports, but. You know, at the end of the day, I think the thing that you benefited most from all of this, not only was it an, an amazing experience, you know, understanding how to persevere, do those things, but the other thing is you got an education out of it too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I started off as a business major. My parents were actually traditional business owners in Madison. So I'm like, you know what, this is what I've been around my whole life. Not realizing that, realizing that I was also in sports my whole life. I, you know, I decided to be a business major, and uh, you know, like I said, I got lucky that they had a degree in exercise science and kinesiology. Um, I think into my sophomore year, I actually switched because I think for a lot of kids, it was just like, well, let me pick the degree, and they don't think about, well, what are you going to do with that degree? You don't think, are you going to do entrepreneurship? Are you going to do real estate? Are you going to do marketing, finance? So business is very broad, and I don't, I mean, obviously, you have guidance counselors that help you, but... I don't think people really look or think too much like, what are you truly going to do with this degree, right? So I actually ended up with a degree in uh, exercise science and and kinesiology. I've worked in the personal training world. Um, I've also worked in the medical field um, in surgery with with orthopedic surgeons. Cool. And um, pretty amazing story here, Brandon. So Yuri, what do you know about recruiting? I actually... Not gonna lie, I know nothing about recruiting and from so far what you guys been telling and from all I know from Monty over the years we've been hanging out together, it's very different even from my country. So I'm very excited today. And to be honest with you, I'll be taking action on listening and educating myself. (laughs) Probably have some questions from listeners for you guys, for our normal listeners who don't know about recruiting much. So I'll be on that side of a microphone today helping out and listening. Yeah, we did get a couple of questions come in today, which was uh, which was pretty cool. So we'll bring all those up for sure. And, and and for those who don't know at this point, you know, I've talked about the last 15 months. I keep talking about the last 15, 16 months of my life, but I was, you know, I would be classified, I guess, as a late bloomer uh, as far as physically in high school. So, you know, some of those kids that get recruited now are, you know, monsters by the time they get to high school and their freshman year, they already have offers. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's how recruiting starts. For me, my junior year, I was like 5'8", maybe 155 pounds as a junior going to be a senior. And then all of a sudden my body decided, hey, it's uh, it's go time. And next thing you know, I'm 5'11", you know, 185 pounds. And when, you know, eventually I played college football, I was over six feet. I grew even after I graduated high school. So it's one of those things where you need to start early if you're physically gifted and you're committed, but also at the same time, you don't have to give up if you're somebody who's a late bloomer physically. You know, there's a guy who used to work with us who was five foot two, 120 pounds as a freshman in high school. And when he played for the San Diego Chargers, he was six foot four, 325 pounds. Guys grow. That's just what happens in high school and everybody's body clicks a little bit differently at different times. So you never really want to give up. But for me, uh, my background, I started with track. I, I actually started track my junior year in high school because my, <laughs> it's a funny story. I should probably tell it because I, I really like golf. I, I love golfing. But so I found out that if you were on the golf team, you got free golf. So in high school, my freshman year, I went out for golf my coach let me try out he was out just to my, let you guys know he's one of my favorite coaches of all time in high school he was like a second dad to me as a lot of coaches are he was a little different because i grew up with his son uh, he only lived a couple doors down from me when i was growing up he's a guy who taught me how to pound nails and you know we built a deck when i was like six years old and he showed me how to do that but long story short he was the, he was the golf coach so i had a different relationship where I could go behind the closed doors and talk with him differently. He didn't say anything. He would kind of just, you know, he'd always sit back with his arms crossed and observe and not say a lot. So freshman year golf, I have only golfed maybe twice before with my grandpa and he cut me, which I expected it. They only have so many roster spots available. There's a varsity and a JV and that was it. So it kind of pissed me off. So my my sophomore, after that, after I got cut that summer, all I did was work on golf. I had a big backyard. My parents had a big yard with a pond. So I got really good at water hazards. And, and was was hitting hitting golf balls out of my backyard and wiffle balls and everything and you know I had like a rummage sale set from wherever and so I worked hard at that uh, I should have been training for football to be honest with you but I was so mad that I got cut that was you know what it was 
sophomore year, I go in, I'm better. I'm starting to play better. I'm better than a lot of the guys on the JV team. Maybe could have slid into the like fifth or sixth spot on varsity. Probably more JV, like one or two. And he cut me again. So then now I'm like, I'm like even more mad. And it taught me a lot about who I was because again, instead of going to train for football, what I do all summer, wanted to prove him wrong. Like I was a little vindictive that way. Like, Hey, I'll show you. I went and worked really hard for that. And I was on varsity as a junior in high school, but I didn't play a lot because I was small and I just wasn't that athletic at that time. I was, I loved it. I went to practice every day and worked really hard, but got to my junior year. And the first day of golf practice, which coincides in Wisconsin, it's the same the same season as mm-hmm. track and field. And he like I walked in on the first day of golf practice, and he cut me on the first day of golf practice. Oh no! And I was so mad. So I pulled him into the office, and this is a guy that you he's so well respected, but he also has a huge temper, and he just kind of smirking at me. And I was so mad. I've never been this mad at this guy before. And I was so mad. I went into his I went into his office like, what the hell's your problem? And he goes, hey, dumbass, I've been trying to get you to go out for track for the last two years, and that's why I've been cutting you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, and he goes, I go, why didn't you just tell me that freshman year? He goes, I figured you, you were smarter than that. You'd figure it out. Well, he knew something because I wasn't very fast like going into my junior year, and I was maybe like a 5'3", or something like that in my, my junior year of high school. And just learning how to run and learning how your body functions in track. And I had an amazing track coach. His name's Randy Fondo. He's one of my, one of the, you know, one of the people that I'm, you know, at that point in my life was one of the most important people in my life outside of my parents. And, and so was Byron, you know, Byron Bilo was, those two were my main coaches in high school. I had some other good ones, but those are the two that, you know, really, really influenced me at that time. And Byron was the golf coach and the, and the football coach. And Randy was the the track coach. And anyway, Randy looked at me. And the first thing he said is you're going to be a 400 meter runner. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'll be, I want to be a 100, 200 meter guy. And he goes, no, you're a 400 meter guy. So <laughs> we compromised. I ran the 200 my junior year and I gradually got better throughout my junior season. And then my senior year, our football team missed state by one game. We got to the state semifinal game. We played a really, really good team that was just better than us. We, we had our shots to beat them and they were just a little better than us. But as I got in there, that, that motivated me, that same, that same energy that I had, my goal was to go to state and I was that close for football. And so in the off season, you know, I started reading books about track. I started training earlier than everybody else. And, uh, you know, my, my 400 meter time, when I ran it my junior year, my fastest time was 58 seconds or something like Mm -hmm. that, which is not that good. My junior year, my first race, I was already down to 53 seconds. And by the end of the season, I was at like a 50.2. So that leads me into my recruiting story. Obviously, I had nothing going on. <laughs> was Didn't play football varsity year. I mean, I got in like five plays. I was We had some really good players in front of me and just never happened. And then I was I was really good. Like I didn't really catch a pass until my fourth game in high school. And then after that, I was a crucial part of the team. And, you know, somebody I was relied upon, which was great, you know, elevated up there. But I was like, I, I was one year, one year too late as far as being a high school athlete. So, so what ended up happening there was I didn't get recruited for football. I had a couple of like low level division three schools, like send me letters. And one of the schools actually offered me, which was University of Wisconsin Superior, they offered me a roster spot, and then at the end of their football season, they called me back and said, we lost funding for our football team. We're no longer having a football team. So that was it. That was my offers for football. Track came around, super motivated, went to state. I was the eighth-ranked 400-meter runner in the state, although I didn't make the state for that. I made it for the 4 by 4 Unfortunately, in my section, the state champion and the state runner-up were in my section also. I didn't get a chance to go. And anyway, uh, I got to the end of my senior year and my coach goes, I go, coach, I really don't want my, my athletic career to be over. This is all I've ever done my mm-hmm. entire life. I didn't have like life figured out as far as what I wanted to go to school for. I knew that sports was something that I just wanted mm-hmm. to have. My track coach and I, I would sneak out of home at seventh hour and him and I would call coaches. And this is like May 15th of my senior year. And we called like 30 coaches. And almost every single, I, most of them said, hey, we, we, your grades are okay. Your times are good. We could really use you, but 
we just don't have any funding. We don't have mm-hmm. any money. Some of the schools said, hey, we wish we knew about you six, eight months ago, mm-hmm. stuff like that, which six, eight months ago I was running. Remember, my last times were like 59 seconds yeah. anyway, so it wouldn't matter. And so what it ended up happening, I had one Division two school, University of Wisconsin Parkside. Uh, the coach at the time was Lucian Rosa, who is an amazing man, born in Sri Lanka, was Boston Marathon runner-up, uh, was supposed to be on the U.S. Olympic team, was supposed to be on the Sri Lankan teams, and both teams boycotted their, the years that he was supposed to be on their Olympic teams. But he took a shot with me and uh, gave me an opportunity, and I'm forever grateful. But the, the lesson in that was that was my only offer. you know. So I ended up going to that school. I still had that football itch. like I just felt like I was coming into my own. And, uh, and so after my sophomore year, University of Wisconsin Parkside, other than my teammates and my coaches, really the school had nothing to offer me. It wasn't a good fit for me socially. It wasn't a good fit for me academically. I had some family or a friend stuff going on. My best friend just got diagnosed with cancer at the time. And so I needed to be a little bit closer to home, but I also still had that main itch to you know play college football. So I didn't know how to transfer, didn't know how to play football, didn't know how to get recruited for football. I walked into the coach's office at University of Wisconsin Stevens Point, and I said, "Hey, coach, this is the first day of school, so I already missed two days, which is a no-no mm-hmm. in, in sports." I walked into the coach's office, and he goes, "I go, hey, coach, I want to play football," and he just kind of laughed at me, and he goes, "Do you know how many people walk into my office on the first day of school and say they want to play football?" I'm like, "I'm guessing by your tone a lot, <laughs> <laughs> right?" And he goes, "He goes, why are you different?" I'm like. Well, I just came off of a Division II track scholarship. I was third place in the 100 meters for my conference. So I'm fast, and uh, I haven't played football in a couple of years, but I was pretty good at the end of my senior year. I think I could be an asset, maybe not this year, but next year. I said, all I want to do is come in and practice and learn. And he said, let's go try you out. So went out to the track. I hadn't run a 40 in like three years or so, but I knew I was, you know, I was getting up there and really mm-hmm. high level sprinting in my conference. And I ended up running a four, four, two hand timed. Oh. And, uh, he basically said to me, go get your, go get your physical. We'll see you at practice on Monday. And that was, <laughs> that was my tryout, which very rarely ever happens that way. That never happens in college sports, especially this day and age. So, so that's my background, long background on sports. And, and then I got into coaching after that. I was a student assistant my senior. I got sick, couldn't play football. Uh, I was a student assistant for a while. And uh, then I coached high school football for a lot of years. And Brendan and I, I've been at NCSA for 10 years now. I have spoken to, educated about 10,000 families now. Brendan's probably pretty close to that number, mm-hmm. if not, you know, seven or 8,000 families at least. So between the two of us, we have about 18,000 conversations we've had about recruiting yeah. in that period of time. So we're, you know, truly experts in that field. And that's the exciting part about today and, you know, what we're going to really get into here and, you know, we had a couple of questions come in from some of the people from the Facebook post yesterday. And Yuri, we'll uh, kick it off to you. Yeah, of course. Some of our listeners are wondering, it's probably the most popular questions. How did you guys become the recruiting experts? Well, mm-hmm. my story right there is is pretty much what it was. A love for sports. Uh, one of my one of my best friends, Quentin Werbey, uh, and I, he was, we played rec league football just to keep, you know, the old man juices going. And he actually went down to Chicago and got interviewed for the job, came back and said, hey, you would be a, uh, you'd be a better fit at this place than I would be. And so I interviewed and took the job. At the time, I was running a remodeling business, and, and it, it was 2009 where the economy was kind of bad. So I, needed, I said, can I do it part-time? And they said, sure, we'll start you part-time. Well, I loved it so much, I just morphed it into a full-time career. Me? Well, obviously you go off of experience first. Like you just assume like, hey, this is what you should be doing, right? And my assumption was just like every single parent is, hey, you know, the coaches are going to handle it. We assume that everything's going to happen for that through them. And not every high school in the country has that at all, right? I mean, to think that it's, it's ridiculous, right? Right. But as far as becoming like a recruiting expert, it was first and foremost through experiences, right? Like, what do you need to put together through film? You know, what do you need to do to train yourself to actually legitimately be recruitable? And then how am I going to get myself in front of coaches? I got very lucky with my situation there. But but yeah, as far as the recruiting side of things with NCSA and how I got tied in with them was almost a similar situation to you. Um, I have a buddy that, you know, knew my background. I was still in personal training. I think I had just transitioned into the medical field. I think that's when I just I had met you. Mm-hmm. That was through Randall, Randall Lane, yeah. who was a receiver for Drew Brees in college, which is a crazy story himself. But uh, yeah, he told me about the same job, and I'm like, 
also, I, I, with you at the same time. probably because of Quentin and Randall are both. Right, right. And he said, dude, you would be perfect for this job. And I'm like, had no clue what he was talking about. He said, with your background, you would be able to do, you know, you'd have great success with this company. So, and that's kind of how I also got introduced to you as well. So Yeah, and then I had to beg you for like three years. Work. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who knew you guys? You actually took an action on this one. You completely, basically, for months, you switched a career from remodeling bathrooms and doing tile and showers in well, it was, it was like a two-year transition. I was doing full-time both jobs at that time. It's weird how those transitions work in your life where you have mm-hmm. to like kind of fade from one and go into another. But yeah, that's you know what I did. And, and uh, it's been a life-changing experience. Just First of all, the, the people that Brendan and I work with at NCSA are absolutely incredible. The places that we've been able to go, a few Vegas trips, which has been pretty awesome. We don't do those anymore, but those were pretty amazing. And uh, I think, Brendan, you probably just missed out on those by I did. I did. I missed on those. But, but it was always, it was always fun to go visit because we work remotely. Right. But it's always even just fun to visit our, you know, our teammates that right. we work with in the office in Chicago and you know, the guys that fly in from Nevada. So it's always good to see everybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of those people are great friends of ours now. I mean, you know, they're, they're guys that I can just call out of the blue. Yeah. I miss them sometimes. I'll just call mm-hmm. them up and say, Hey, you know, how are things going? And you know, the resumes for those guys are a lot better than Brendan and I. I mean, we have mm-hmm. Super Bowl champions that work with us. We have, I mean, hell, our, our softball department's amazing. Our basketball department, every sport yeah. that we work with, including esports. So some of you out there that are are listening that talk about gaming. Gaming is huge right now. And colleges are paying for it. Kids are making millions of dollars off of gaming. So, yeah, I'm a little upset that my dad used to steal my Nintendo when I was little. Oh, dude, I just went to that Edge VR place last Friday with my son. Yeah. And there's actually a guy locally in Green Bay that is, for a certain game, he's number 200 in the world. And this is out of like like half a million people. Oh, and he's number 200 in the world, you know, out of like half a million people, maybe more than that. These, so, guys, are getting, these yeah. guys are getting some serious loot. You're, yeah. You know about video games. Oh, I know about video games, building computers. Some days I think that I've chosen the wrong career. <laughs> However, computer gaming is not something I could take seriously. It's something I could go play for a few hours. Yep. I don't see the very long um, life cycle or long time long term doing this you're gonna get older you're gonna get slower but it actually sounds phenomenal for me some of the days i'm like well i could just sit and <laughs> play my game and get paid I'm like, right. what's wrong with that right yeah. what what's your uh what's your game what's your if you're what's your go-to uh, probably battlefield battlefield i, I like mm. first person shooters so mm. that's one of my jams and before we had kids I played quite a bit. I had nothing to do. Me and my wife were working different schedules. So some days she would call from work and I will be playing my game. And she's like, what are you doing right now that you cannot concentrate and talk on the phone to me right now? I'm like, uh, excuse me, I have passengers in my helicopter now. We're on the mission, people about to get hurt. <laughs> What's so hard to comprehend here, excuse me? So yeah, and then I got smacked with a skillet and that was it. My <laughs> gaming career. But anyways, guys, for those of you who want to take uh, your life in college a little bit more seriously and play in sports versus playing a keyboard and mouse, where should you start? We have another question from our listeners, from a, one of our parents, when someone should begin mm. their recruiting process. You want this guys. one first or me? You go ahead. I'll see what you say. This one excites me because you were you were were more gifted than I was. So So mine ties in with yours, actually. Yeah. This this excites me just because not just from like the parent standpoint, but just like from the student athlete and how aware that they need to be like if they want to play. Right. And I always get that question. When should you start? Should we start our freshman year, sophomore year? You know, I thought we weren't supposed to start until our junior year. It's not has nothing to do with the time. I think it has everything to do with the student. Right. Mm hmm. You know, do you consider your student, you know, do you feel like he's mature for as as mature as 14, 13, 14, 15 year old could be? You know, are they meeting expectations not only for themselves, but are they meeting expectations in the classroom? Right. That's a tougher transition for kids from middle school to high school. Right. Um, And then work ethic. Right. Like, are you doing a little bit of extra, you know, either before practice, after practice? You know, are you taking lifting serious? You know, are you taking your nutrition seriously? So. Those are my main bullet points is don't look at the timelines, look at the student athlete and find out where they are at mentally or even just let them be aware of where they need to be at. Yeah, of course. And 
to, not to, I mean, obviously to piggyback off of what Brendan said, I agree with everything that he just said, because I think once your son or daughter is, is totally committed to doing what Brendan said, anytime after seventh grade and before sophomore year is when you should start the recruiting process. Because especially if they have elite level talent, and we all know who they are. Like when you look at somebody and you see them on the field and you have eighth graders out there and somebody's 6'4", 285 pounds. And I had a kid like that the other day that I interviewed. who's a He's a great kid, really polite. The earlier you can get started, the less work that you have to do. Now, with that being said, if you know your son or daughter is not elite, but is totally committed to playing, you should start as soon as they're totally committed to playing because of the okay. work involved into recruiting. Because it's not, okay, my kid's, my kid's committed. They want to play college ball. Now let's go and get an offer. Agreed. The work at the end of the day has to be, the focus needs to be, it's getting started. What are we working for? And it's not a roster spot. It's not a college scholarship. The end of the day, the fit is the most important mm. thing. Is that school going to be home for four years? Is that school going to set your son or daughter up for the next 40 years of their life? That's the part of the recruiting process that we have to keep in mind. And it takes a long time to vet schools. And it's not like you can pick the school in recruiting. Like, they got to pick you. Yeah, the school picks you. So you want to have enough choices so that that your son or daughter and you guys as a family can ultimately make that decision that's best for you and your son or daughter as like, we know where we got the right spot. But if you just start and go, I get a lot of kids. It's like, Hey, what's your geographic preferences? And like, I'll just go anywhere. No, like, no, 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 no. Cause you go, you live in Florida and all of a sudden you head to Northern Montana to that Montana tech. It's 55 degrees below zero right. in December. You're not right. staying another semester. Oh, right. I had some guys I uh, <laughs> were seeing snow for the first time in college, yeah. you know, from Florida. So yeah. I compare starting, starting like taking a test, right? Yeah. Families think, okay, well, now that my kid is 6'4", 285 pounds, now we can start the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. No. You need to look at this like taking a test, right? You're not going to you're not going to take your test, you know, the Saturday before you're going to take an SAT. You're not going to study the morning of, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to train, you're going to practice, you're going to look at examples leading up to that for months at a time, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I look at the recruiting is starting early, even just getting educated and knowing what should we be preparing right. for? Like you're you're an obvious case of you should have started early in recruiting. Agreed. I'm another case of I still should have started earlier in recruiting even though I wasn't physically there. And the odds of me playing college sports wasn't there. My work ethic is my work ethic was there. My passion was there. My grades could have been better, I'll be honest. But at the end of the day, that was just I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how to get there. I didn't know that there was a process. I just mm -hmm. thought, hey, somebody finds me, I'm good enough, go out there. Nowadays, there's so many more resources available. The internet. Like when Brendan and I went through recruiting, Google wasn't even around yet. No. Like, like, like think about how much our world has advanced, not just from we were talking about cell phones last week and how you lost, or two weeks ago, where you lost your cell phone, Yuri. Like, yeah, and now it's back. like yeah. attached to us, you know, and yeah. now, like then we didn't even know what a cell phone, we like, I just thought the cell phone was like what Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell <laughs> carried around and only rich people had those. That was what I thought were. So like everything is advanced. So open your eyes up, understand, do research right. on recruiting, but start as soon as you know your son or daughter is committed. That's when you should start the recruiting yeah. process. Don't, if your son or daughter is wishy-washy, it's like, well, it would be nice to play college sports. They don't want to mm -hmm. play college sports. Right. They'll be there for a semester. They ain't playing. Right. But if you know they're going to practice every day, they aren't burning out. They want to go. You don't have to wake them up at 6 a.m. to go to workouts. They're watching what they're eating. They're, you know, and that's not to say that your kids need to be that way, but if they're putting sports over their cell phone or if they're putting sports over or video games over sports, then they're probably not cut out for college sports. But if it's the other way around, it's okay for kids to play video games. It's okay for kids to have fun. Like that's important because yes. that's part of that social, that social circle. Like nobody should be cutting kids off from that. But at the same time, the priority mm -hmm. I think has to be there. And if their priorities are in line with what they need to be, I don't care if they're five to a hundred pound freshmen right. and they have good grades and they're committed to doing the work. 
Get them started. Yeah. The worst case scenario, you research schools at the end of the day and you kind of have a better idea of what's going on. Oh, great. Priorities. So we figured out the timeline where you should be start thinking about recruiting. And uh, another question from our listeners. So your child, your daughter, your son, they finally figured out they want to be committed to the sports. So what are the first things that a student uh, athlete should be aware of before starting the process, before recruitment? Can I start this one? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to piggyback off of the technology because I get this question often over the last seven years is you need to be aware of what your kids have out there online, right? Oh, yeah. So the internet is a gift and it's a curse, right? right. Um, it can get sword. you discovered early for good or bad reasons, right? So obviously it's no longer VHS tapes and DVDs anymore, right? Um, you know, kids are getting found early, but I think that's, that's kind of where you have to start is knowing like what do you need to do to get yourself visibly seen? Yeah. And I think, you know, internet, not only social media, like you said, double-edged sword can be a gift and a curse, but it's also having an online presence, establishing that, being being found. You know, Brendan and I have football backgrounds, so we talk a lot, lot about that, but the odds of playing college sports are ridiculously low. I don't care if it's D1, D2, D3, if you combine all of them together, we'll say an average of about 8% of high school student athletes in all sports across the plane will have an opportunity to play in college. That means 92% of all the kids that you've ever seen play a high school sport are not playing high school or college sports. And just football alone, football you're talking alone about a million. 1.1 million. So yeah. I've done, I did the math a couple of days ago because I had somebody ask me that. In each graduating class, there's 260,000 high school football players. Mm-hmm. So that means this year, in 2019 or 2020, 260,000 high school football players are going to graduate. 260,000 high school football players are either done with their senior years right now or are in the playoffs and they're about to be done and they're playing their last game ever. Mm. I cried, by the way, that day. That was like the saddest day I've had yeah. up to that point in my life, even with family members passing. It was, yeah, yeah, because I felt like I lost the whole family there. You know, it was like crazy, but like that's it. And to give you an idea, there's about twenty to 25,000 roster spots each year to play football. So if you do the math, that's like 8%. Mm-hmm. 8%. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So online presence, right? Got to be seen. Got to be found. Under, put your ego aside. Your kid could be good in your town or in your conference. He's probably not great around the country unless, mm-hmm. you already, unless they already know about you. Like those top 300 kids in football and maybe the top 100 in all the other sports, coaches know about you. Otherwise, everybody else, it's a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, you're fighting for you're fighting for division level. You're fighting for scholarships. You're fighting for money. It's competitive. Get found early. Get on as many recruiting boards as you can. And the first thing you need to do to do that is set up a resume, just like the hiring process. Recruiting is very, very similar to the hiring process. Essentially, it is right. Get your stuff established online. Get get an online profile. Call us at NCSA or figure out a different way to establish an online presence, but get something online. And there's obviously some competition involved. So just you wanted to play sports doesn't mean you got to get it. And well, another question. That's like, I want to be the CEO of Amazon right yeah, now. So I'm like, yeah, you want to play, but resources. Like, are you good? So for our, for our listeners, and what are the most important traits that the coaches are looking for? Mm. Yeah, this is a simple one. I mean, it always starts with character. Like people are drawn. First of all, you have to realize a coach is going to coach you more than likely for, well, in reality, probably not. But a coach is planning on coaching you for four or five years. If they don't like you, if they don't trust you, if they don't feel comfortable with you, they're going to be very hesitant on offering you. So that's, that's the first one. Like you just have to be a good person. You have to be able to... Like, you don't have to be somebody who can talk like me or Brendan or Yuri, but you have to be able to, like a coach has to be able to trust you that you're going to show up for practice, that you're going to go to school, that you're, they're not going to babysit you. That's not what a college coach is there to do. They're not there to babysit. They're there to win football games. That's the only job, or any sports game, that's the only job for college coaches is to win games. That's why they're hired. All right. And if you if, if you are not meeting those characteristics, they're going to find out, right, whether it's through your yeah. coaches you know, through your community, right? Like, so what are you doing? Are, are you respectful to your teammates, your coaches, your community? Because they will eventually find out. Yeah. And the last place, the last thing that you want is is to not know, like, okay, 
you know, what am I, you know, what is the reason yeah. I'm not getting recruited? Yeah. Right. And for parents out there listening, this is huge too. You are getting recruited as well. Your Absolutely. actions at games. I was at a football game a couple of years ago and uh, this, uh, I was sitting next to a scout and he was there. He had the iPad out and he was taking notes on it. He was recruiting the kid that like I knew the kid. So I was there watching him. Well, this dude starts in the stand starts yelling obscenities at the coaching staff at the referees and it was it was I felt embarrassed for whoever it was I didn't know who it was so the coach so the coach goes can you go find out who that is you know some people around here I said sure so I went and asked a couple people and they said oh that's so-and-so's uncle mm-hmm. and I said okay so I'm like all right went back to him he said oh that's so-and-so's uncle he's like well that's the guy I was here to see folded up his iPad and left yeah I said where are you going he goes we don't need that on our campus I'm like right. that's just the uncle he's like you know he was probably a borderline guy anyway but right. that type of stuff will ruin a student athlete. You might not even know it just by Agreed. being, you Agreed. know. Most, so. most kids, I think, you know, they're going to have their parents speak for them and that they're the best next things in sliced bread. But you also have to give your kids a chance to, and doesn't mean you can't help them with pre- preparing questions, but yeah. you have to prepare your kids to let them speak for themselves, yeah. right? Because they're not, in, you know, they're going to be interviewing your child. Right. That's you know, he's going to be the one or she's going to be the one that's going to that school. So don't come into an office, you know, when it's time to speak to a coach and you don't have any prepared questions or any rebuttal questions that will help you determine, is this school a good fit for me? Right. right? Yeah. So. And the second thing that's that's really important, obviously, is grades like that speaks for itself. But your talent will not exceed the financial aid department um, or okay. the admissions department. I'm sorry. Admission. What a lot of people don't realize about college recruiting is coaches have a say in who they want to recruit and who they want to bring into the school. The admissions department has the final say on who gets into the schools Mm -hmm. and who doesn't. Now, there's exceptions. Athletes typically don't have to have like the same exact academic minimums as the regular students do, Mm -hmm. fair or unfair. That's not the point. The point is, in the real world, the admissions department sets the benchmark. So we can talk about NCAA minimums and all those different things. That's unnecessary. My advice to anybody listening and any parents listening, C's equal F's. It's mm-hmm. simple. Mm-hmm. Just keep C's off the report card and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we slowly get in there. I'm a young kid. I got what it takes, committed to play. I got my grades in shape. I have my nice character. I'm user friendly, not, not user friendly. <laughs> computer language. <laughs> so, team friendly, great personality, ready to play, ready to roll. How do you begin your recruiting process, guys? Oh, well, online presence. We just talked about yeah. that. Got to have that. I would add to that is building a list of schools. Right. Yeah. Like a realistic, like keyword realistic. Yeah. Obviously, you have those kids, and we're not here to shoot down dreams, right? Everybody wants to go to Alabama. Everybody wants to go to Clemson. Everybody wants to go so to LSU. Duke, yeah, Duke right. for basketball. You Kentucky. Know, Vanderbilt for baseball. Okay, you and know. you can have those schools, right? And that's fine. You can have those schools, but you also need to know, like, okay, what are my 1AA schools? What are my D2 schools? What are my last-minute D3 schools just in case, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are those schools... Are they, number one, are they a good academic fit? Do they have a primary degree that you're truly interested in that's going to lead you towards a career you are potentially thinking about? Is it a good financial fit, right? I think this is very, very, very untalked about is, hey, if I get a scholarship here or a partial or even just academic, what is the bottom dollar that I'm going to owe on the other end of this? I'm talking tuition, living, and eating. And I think this is very, very under-talked about. It uh, was for me. Everybody looks college. at it. Everybody just goes to the tuition number. Right. And they see that. And yeah, Brennan's spot on is a financial fit. you know. And also, too, this is, kind of, this is fast-forwarding towards the end of the recruiting process, but also don't eliminate a school because of what the dollar signs say either because the schools will get very, very flexible. Even Division three schools are very flexible on funding. Right. They have merit-based scholarships and other other way. The key terminology here is funding, not scholarship, because there is a difference in that. Regardless of what it is, you're not paying the money back on student loans or it's coming out of parents' pockets. But financial fit is so important. But the more schools that recruit you, so this is why Brendan's talking about a realistic target list, is because the more schools that target you and that you target them, the more leverage you have in the process to drive your price up. It's no different than anything else, supply and demand. If, right. Like in my case, when I had one school offer me, I got a semester's worth of tuition. Mm-hmm. Well, my roommate had six offers and he only had to pay for books. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was scoring more points than him in our meets. He was just yeah. a high jumper. This, it's a numbers game. At the yeah. end of the day, okay, there's we're talking football, but this is applies to every sport. Every sport. But for football, you have 900 plus opportunities to play football at the next level from D1, 1AA, Division 2, II, Division 3 and junior college and NAI schools. Okay? You have 900 opportunities. Nobody talks about D2, nobody talks about D3. Nobody talks about the one double A's, but at the end of the day, it's a numbers game, right? Are you a good academic fit for that school? Does it have a backup degree? Do you have a third degree? Is it a good financial fit? Are you talking academic scholarship, athletic scholarship, grant money for school? Is it a good locational fit? You touched on locational fit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, are you willing to at least consider in-state schools and neighboring state schools? Mom and dad want to come watch you play most likely, right? I was seven hours from home. So the closest game that my mom could come watch was once a year and the closest game was four hours away yeah. in Minneapolis. So is it a good locational fit? And then lastly, is it a good athletic fit? Right? Are, is that school even looking for a wide receiver? Right? Right. Are they, you know, are they looking for a running back? Right? Are, are they even they looking, looking in your graduate? Yeah. Are they looking for a center? Yeah. Are they know? even looking in your graduation class? Do they even recruit out of your state? Right? Yeah. So you have to really get real with yourselves and know where does your son or daughter stack up compared to your competition. The other thing that you need is you need a really good highlight tape. Not what I'm getting at is not like you don't have to have Barry Sanders highlight tape. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to have one that shows that number one, your best plays are good enough yeah. because a coach can take and see the fundamentals and fix that. But you still need to show that you can play. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not playing, if you're not showing coaches you can play, it doesn't do any good. And it needs to just be well done. As far as football goes, have an arrow pointing to you pre-snap. Don't put mm -hmm. an arrow to you Five seconds after the play, when you're making the play, put it pre-snap so the coach can, yeah. coaches can see the alignments. For other sports, you know, volleyball, basketball, pretty much every sport, make sure that you're highlighting your ability. And, like, I think the only sports you really don't need film is probably track. Agreed. Because you have your times or you don't. And Even swimming. swimmers. And well, swimming. swimmers, they still want some video here and yeah. there because yeah. then they see the starts, the turns, True. you know, all that stuff. Golf and baseball and softball, a little bit different. You need a skills video. It's just showing your your swing. Yeah. Your you know for baseball and softball, you're showing your fundamentals, your mechanics. Yep. Coaches like you know I always joke about baseball coaches and softball coaches being super nerdy because they break down every mechanic and fundamental of a student Agreed. athlete. But like, there's I, a there's I a rhyme and a reason why they do it. Otherwise, they would just get highlight tapes. But so anyway, to recap a little bit on that, we need online presence. Yeah. We need a realistic target list. I would say, you know, realistically, anywhere from 30 to 50 schools. Yeah. And I don't even like giving a number because... What Depends if, on the sport. Right. I don't even like giving a number. Families ask, how many schools? And I'm like, yeah. I don't like giving a number. I want you to find out how many states do you want to go to college in yeah. and how many schools have your first and your second and maybe even a third degree. Yeah. And you tell me the number that you come up with. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, that highlight tape. And what was the other one? Um, I would say highlight tape and then, um, you know, and with the highlight tape, like you said, the film needs to be legit edited. And yep. I challenge families to find out like how much would that cost to professionally get right. done. Right. And then I would say the last thing would be just prepare questions. Yeah. Learn your interview skills. Learn, learn how to talk. Um, For yourself yeah. as a student. And notice we aren't saying anything about camps. Like camps are fundamentally important in recruiting, but they're not important to get started. They're Agreed. important once somebody knows who you are. Nobody goes to a, well. Nobody should go to a camp to get discovered. It's right. the biggest. If they're going, if you're going to camp to get better, that's a different animal. If you're going to go try to get discovered and you don't have a college, a college coach doesn't know who you are. You're wasting time and money. You if are, you're just going for that reason, you are a number at that point, and you are a fundraiser for yeah. the school. Yeah. That's it. I yeah. mean, best of luck. Being very honest, if you're paying and going versus being invited, um, you're most likely a number. Now, you could definitely ball out, but it's very, very happenstance that you got lucky, and that's going to be less than 1% yeah. of the time. Yeah, we had an amazing mentor. Uh, he doesn't work at NCSA anymore, but his name was Bob Kamel. Coach Kamel is amazing, an amazing man. Yeah. Um, so energetic. You know, yeah, He'd make me run through a wall, but one thing that Coach Kamel's always talked about with camps was in 27 years of him recruiting, and he coached at Notre Dame in Michigan, uh, in 27 years of him recruiting, he discovered two kids at camps. One was mm -hmm. a kicker, and the other one was Tim Bianca Batuka, wow. who was the runner-up for Heisman one year. <laughs> that's it. That's fair. And he was out of Canada, too, I think. So so that's what. So we got, we figured out the list. You guys put a pretty, pretty good list together. Once you get all your things 
in order, you know where you want to go, have a list of your colleges, your financial fit, and all other things, you're good to go. How do you guys actually connect to someone like you? How do you get connected to recruiter and how do you start your actual recruiting process? I would have families write down the word resources. How many resources do you have to get discovered, right? Everybody is going to trust and rely on their coach first. doesn't matter if you take a phone call with myself or Andy. You don't even know us. You don't know who we are, okay? Monty, sorry. Monty, <laughs> Monty Andy, same difference. No, but uh, resources, right? Like you have to think, okay, what things do we need to put together? How many resources do we have to get connected? Everybody's going to rely on their coach first, whether it's to know if they're recruitable or not, right? Um, which is also another sticky situation, but resources. Don't expect your, I think the one thing, it's a slippery slope with coach because I, I think this is worth talking about at this point. Yes. Because your coach is so important in your development. They're an extended family member a lot of times. You know, I'm, I'm four, I'll be 40 in a couple of weeks and I'm still talking about two of the most influential people in my life earlier in our mm -hmm. podcast. Like these people are amazing. But I think we do high school coaches to dis, a disservice if you expect them to get your son or daughter onto a college roster. Same thing goes with any club coach. Like high school coaches are there to win games, to make your kids better people, hopefully, give them a great experience while they're in high school, allow them to participate in extracurriculars. For any coach that goes above and beyond and actually helps kids get recruited, they're saints. Because we just told you all the work you need to do for one student athlete online presence, 30 to 50 schools. You're still gonna go on visits, you're going to camps, you have all these things that you need to do, and now you're putting all of that onto your coach, and then if he does it for you, then he needs to do it for every other kid that walks through that program who wants to go to college, and you're putting that on him. So my biggest advice with a coach is, if coach does anything, that's a bonus. But Agreed. the All About the Take Action podcast is owning it for yourself, right? Agreed. So you need to take action for yourself and use your coach as a resource, an educational tool, any connections that he may have, but don't put it on him let's, let's, or her. Let's be realistic too. Okay, a couple things. Most likely your coach is not getting paid a whole lot additional to find right. new colleges at all, right? Let's, let's remember that they're also humans too, right? They're probably parents themselves they might even have kids that you're playing with a lot of right? them are teachers exactly some of them are teachers some of them are husband wives so when is the time to to really you know do that for 30 plus kids let's say even 20 kids that are seniors right so let's let's remember that and then also can you rely on them to have every single degree or be connected to every single school that has your child's degrees that's probably highly unlikely, yeah. right? And then on top of that, obviously, Brendan and I work for, I would say, well, I know we are, the top recruiting network. I won't even call us a service because we're not a service. but Database. Top, I would say database. Database. Well, we, I mean, we're a network, yeah. not a database because there's people, yeah. right? We, we talked about the amazing people. We have almost 800 employees at NCSA and almost every single person that works there is a former college coach or college athlete. So mm -hmm. we're not just a number database. We're a portal. I'll say that. Mm, Definitely a portal cool. to connect student-athletes and college coaches. The derivative in it is it only works if the student-athlete uses it. It's not like Agreed. it's not an autopilot program. If you're coming to, agent, if you're coming to us, yeah, we're not an agent. If you're coming to hire us and we're going to do all the work, it's just not going to work for you. The student-athletes are the ones getting recruited. They need to take action. We provide every resource possible Guidance. for a student athlete to get to where they need to be. But at the end of the day, it's up to them to use it. So, and that's a little bit about where we're at. You can, you guys can find us on ncsasports.org. You can reach out to Brendan through email at bosucha at NCSA Sports. And for those of you wondering how you spell Osucha, O S U O C H A. It's like I wanted to do something like Usher. <laughs> so, so be asucha at ncsasports.org or you can reach out to me as well a raymond and it's spelled r-e-y-m-e-n-t at ncsasports.org or if you just want more information at ncsa you know ncsasports.org we have a youtube channel i mean we're a 
a juggernaut. We had 25,000 student athletes commit to play their sport last year as well. I think as a whole company, we've eclipsed now 150,000. Easily, yeah. So, I think, and that's, and we've been around since 2000. So it's not like we're just up and comers here. We have over 35,000 college coaches who use our network. Obviously, not all football coaches, all the sports combined from esports down to football and everything in between. And again, it's the people that at NCSA, the, the recruiting coaches, the recruiting coordinators, the upper management. Our president is a former Yale hockey player who's amazing. We have just so many incredible people that within our organization that are leading by example uh, all the time. We have an amazing give back program where we, you know, we subsidize some of our enrollments and give to the less fortunate ones who aren't financially able to to do that. So we're not just a for-profit organization. I mean, we're a business, so there's there's money involved. People hire us, but we're worth it. At the end of the day, the coolest part about NCSA to me is every single time somebody picks up the phone from a phone call from us, there's an opportunity to change a life. It's okay. an opportunity to to go to college, to play their sport, to have an experience of a lifetime. You know, it could I be told the you, last shot. Yeah, Brendan and I, Brendan and I talked about our pitfalls earlier, but I wouldn't trade my experience for anything. Neither. Me neither. I mean, I'd want to play in the NFL a little bit, but we got to do some editing on that. By the way, um, I was not cut due to vertically ch- being vertically challenged. I was six four, two hundred and eighty five pounds. Mind you, I was running a four seven. However, it was there were twelve guys that were fighting to go to camp after rookie mini camp. I think who was in camp with me was uh, Adrian Peterson. Was obviously oh. the biggest one that I've ever. You know, you're trying not to be a fan. You're like, oh. Hey, man, I'm here to tackle you. I'm not here to make friends, right? But you got 12 guys, and this is what makes it even tougher, is, is you got 12 guys that are fighting to go from rookie minicamp just at the defensive end position, and there's only one kid, there's only one defensive end that's going to make it to camp out of 12 guys. Was he taller than you? Uh, I'm six, I was 6'4", 280 pounds, and everybody else, I think there's three guys that were shorter than me. They were 6'2", 6'2", and 6'1". Vertically six, one. challenged. And then everybody else was 6'5", <laughs> 6'6". Six, six, six. Mind you, like, I'm a D2 random kid. Everyone else was Ohio Alabama, State, yeah. LSU, and, uh, you know, everybody. So well, we, don't need, we don't need to edit it. You just bust the know, balls on I know, that. That's all. <laughs> well, that's that pretty much it. I mean, obviously, this is a very, very basic conversation, but hopefully it gets the wheels turning for some of our listeners to understand. You can hopefully hear our passion, both Brendan and I, uh, extremely passionate about the recruiting process and helping kids and getting to the next level. And if you talk to anybody else from our organization, they're going to be very similar as well, as far as that goes. So I want to say one more thing too, because I think a lot of people ask us, like you were saying, you know, what compares us to maybe other companies. I always challenge people to say, hey, you know, find out how many other companies or, or outfits are out there yourself, right? Find out how long they've been around. You know, find out what their success rates are, what their actual legitimate connections are to schools. Find out if they're even working with anybody that you know, right? Yeah. I don't think there's been a school in my seven years that, you know, we couldn't double check and see if there's somebody that had some sort of situation well, somebody's with us. always had to be the first person to work with us, right? But yeah, and biggest thing is if you are going to reach out to us, you know, you're looking for more help in recruiting, just make sure you have that conversation with your kids first. Ask them, and you know, like, are they 100% committed? Are they going to do the work that it takes? Because... Again, you can kick the tires on us all you want. We don't have a problem educating you and getting you started. But at the end of the day, it's still your son or daughter's future. They're the ones that have to be the ones doing the work and putting the effort. And if they are, we're a life changer. And if they're not, we're a waste of money. Here's my last piece is motivation, right? So I think what people think is motivation is is always the positive things, is earning the scholarship, finding the right school. I think for me, what the motivation for any family is, is not walking into a situation where your kid has regrets, right? And that's the biggest thing. Mom and dad, don't yell at your kids if they're not doing what they need to do in the classroom. Talk about the regrets. Like, hey, do we want to avoid not getting to that college or looking back at your high school career and not doing what you should have done in the classroom and fighting for right. tutoring? Do we want to avoid the debt situation after you've, you know, you've got your job? So I think those things should motivate a kid more than anything than about this prize yeah, and if, scholarship. And if it doesn't motivate them, you probably have your answer as to if they're going to put the work in to get right. themselves recruited or not. If they're going to go to the weight room and do the work if they're going to do their homework if they're not doing those things they're probably not all in and then you have your answer don't live vicariously through your child let your child be your child and if they're not motivated by sports then find something else they're motivated by let them be themselves it doesn't like brendan and i have a sports background we're passionate about it. we love it 
it's amazing what sports has done for us is incredible sports isn't for everybody and that's okay you know we need we need people who aren't just athletes and student athletes we need people who are willing to go and change lives in a different way and be influential and leaders in their communities and it doesn't always have to come through sports so I think from here, you know, we'll kind of wrap things up. I know Brendan and I went a little bit long today, but that's okay. And again, it's just the foundation. But again, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to Brendan or I. You know, hit me on our, our Facebook at Take Action Podcast MY. And uh, Yuri, where else can everybody find us? Our episodes rolling out every Monday. I do my best, try to get them out by 11, the noon at the latest, so you guys can list, listen that's to us time, during, <laughs> during lunchtime. And it was really good episode today guys i actually learned a lot of things i come obviously from a different background we don't even have a possibility like this in my country you guys provide all the resources so as long as you commit it as long as you're willing to do work it's gonna be hard it's gonna take time but as long as you have motivation and you're there to take action that the road to your success is open but don't expect somebody to do work for you coaches your parents not going to do it for you. So at the end of the day, you have to be committed. You have to know what you're going to do. So that's all about taking action. And in the meantime, you guys can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our Captivate player. Thank you for listening to us. This episode went for a little bit longer, but it was a wonderful episode. So thank you for joining us tonight, Brandon. And thank we'll you see you me. next week. Happy Halloween. I hope you don't get frozen chicken treated with your kids tonight. <laughs> Peace.